In the name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever felt alone? Perhaps you've seen the pilot episode of the old famous TV series, The Twilight Zone. This episode was called, Where Is Everybody? And it told the story of a man who wanders into this town all alone, dressed in an Air Force flight suit, but with no memory of who he is or how he got there. As he wanders around the town, he sees signs of people having just been there, steaming cups of coffee, a jukebox still playing music, but no matter where he goes, there's nobody to be found. This starts to bother him more and more, until finally in his terror and confusion, he panics. And at that moment, we find out that all of this has been in his head, In fact, he is an astronaut training to go to the moon. He's been stuck in a metal box in isolation for over a year. And as he's being carted off to recover from this experience, his commanding officer tells those gathered around them that they've been able to figure out all of the technological aspects required to send a man to the moon. This was, of course, several years before we did just that. But then he said... The barrier of loneliness, that's the one thing we have not yet been able to lick. Have you ever felt alone? It's a silly question. Of course, we all have. I remember quite distinctly a few times when I was a child and I was very sick and I would wake up in the middle of the night and I was too weak to get up out of bed. I would try to call for my mother, but my voice was weak as well. And I was convinced that nobody could hear me, that I was all alone, that that no one would ever come to help me again. Then, of course, my mother came into my room with a cup of water and medicine. But as a parent now of an eight-month-old child uh, who's been sharing a few of, of his words with us tonight as well, I've learned an entirely different perspective on this. Because Emily and I can hardly leave the room if he's in his bouncer when we're at home with him without him crying to have us come back and be with him. This is especially challenging at night as we're trying to teach him to go to sleep in his crib and he'd much rather fall asleep while being held in our arms than be left all alone in his own bed. I'm sure he's convinced as much as a baby boy can be convinced of anything That if mom and dad are not right there, all hope is lost. Of course, feelings of loneliness are not unique to astronauts and babies. We all experience them and there are many different things that bring them about. What I think of first is the broken relationships that we have with people in our lives people that we might have been so close to, but now there's, there's a distance there, perhaps even an animosity. We live in a society that has been ravaged by divorce, by broken homes, a society that encourages us to approach our relationships with selfishness, which only leads to broken hearts. Few, if any, among us here tonight have not been touched by these things, and they cause us to question whether We are even truly loved, perhaps even to question if we will be alone for the rest of our lives. Then there's that saying of feeling alone in the middle of a crowd. 
Perhaps at work or at school or in social situations, you've experienced this where, where you are striving to live your life for Christ, but those around you see that as foolishness and ostracize you. There's no worse feeling in the world than to be surrounded by people and to feel like you're all by yourself. And there's the loneliness that pain brings. It can be physical pain, an, an illness like cancer, or a chronic pain that, that others simply could never understand. Or perhaps your pain is emotional on the inside. What teenager has never said, my parents just don't understand me? Who among us has never felt like nobody else can understand how we are feeling? But the worst loneliness of all is the loneliness brought about by our own sin and the shame that it causes that once makes us want to to hide our faces. Sin by its very nature breeds isolation. Isolation from God and from one another. It does everything in its power to drive us as far away as possible from the loving and forgiving arms of Christ and it drives a wedge between us and other people. There is nothing Satan wants more than to get and to keep us alone. And all too often it seems like that's precisely what he's done. But what if I were to tell you, you have never been alone? I bet you would say, you know. David in Psalm 139 prays to God, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed down in the depths, you are there. You have never been alone. I know that sounds just like the trite sort of thing you might expect a preacher to say, but it is absolutely true. If God were to withdraw himself from any one of us but for a moment, we would be finished. No one here tonight has ever truly felt alone. In fact, no one who has ever lived on this earth under God's provision has ever known what it is like to truly be alone. I say that knowing full well that there are probably many here tonight who have been through incredibly devastating experiences where you've been abandoned or deserted completely ignored or betrayed by ones you loved and trusted. But still, I say with confidence, no one who has ever lived has in this earthly life ever been completely alone. Well, there was one. We heard him yesterday tell his disciples, truly I say to you, you all will leave me Alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Then they went together to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus began to pray and became so distressed that he began to sweat blood. And his disciples, they fell asleep. Not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus says to them, Could you not have stayed awake just for one hour and kept watch with me? And then they wake up and they run off. We're told that one of them even lost his clothes 
in the whole situation and he was so terrified, wanted to get out of there so badly that he ran off naked. So Jesus is taken to the high priest's house and Peter, his closest friend and staunchest defender, disowns him. Not once, not twice, but three times. And Jesus' loving and piercing gaze only causes Peter to run even farther away and to weep bitterly by himself. But even in all of this, Jesus was not alone. As he said to his disciples, my father is with me. Jesus was the word who had become flesh. He was with the father from the very beginning and the father was always with him. Until suddenly, he isn't. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness covered the land. And into the vast chasm of this black midday's night, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This guttural cry from deep within our Savior's tortured and dying body was a quotation from Psalm 22, the psalm we've been hearing tonight. A psalm King David wrote a thousand years before the sufferings of Christ to predict what would happen to him. Pierced hands and feet, soldiers gambling over his clothing, all of his bones out of joint. It's all there. This horrifying description of the wrath of God being poured out on Jesus. But the ultimate expression of God's wrath was not found in the scourging, in the beating, even in being nailed to the cross. The ultimate expression of God's wrath came upon Jesus when God left, when the Father turned his face away. We often talk about what happened on the cross in terms of Jesus dying for us, Jesus giving up his life for us, Jesus' death giving us new life. And rightly so, because this is how the Bible usually talks about it. Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But tonight, we recognize that Jesus went above and beyond even his own description of the greatest possible love. Because that night, Jesus suffered something that no one before or since ever has. He suffered hell, being completely abandoned by God. The old hymn says it quite well. Many hands were raised to wound him. None would intervene to save. But the deepest stroke that pierced him was the stroke that justice gave. When a just God could not bear to look upon his son because in that moment Jesus embodied all of our sin. In that moment, God looked at Jesus and considered him to be the sinner of every sin ever committed, past, present, and future. Second Corinthians 5.21 tells us that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of of God. So as we look on, on the cross 
tonight on which our Savior was suspended, we see that the word who became flesh has now become sin, our sin, for us. The blessed one who came in the name of the Lord has now become a curse, cursed by the very curse that we ourselves deserved, the very curse that we ourselves inflicted. Galatians 3.13 says, Jesus redeemed us who were under the curse of the law by himself becoming a curse for us. And this is what it means to be cursed by God, to be abandoned by him. Jesus became the only person in the history of creation to have suffered this during his life on earth. The one who could command legions of angels to come to his defense now watches as the Father commands the angels in the words of Luther to stand back and fold their wings. We don't often talk about it in these terms, but Jesus quite literally on the cross suffered hell for us. And when he did, he took our sins with him and he left them there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew the answer to that question well. Jesus was forsaken for our sake. One of our communion hymns takes this heart-wrenching question from Psalm 22 and puts a little bit of a twist on it asking it not from Christ's perspective, but from ours. My God, my God, why have you not forsaken me? This is why. Jesus was forsaken so that you never will be. Jesus was abandoned so that you never will be. Jesus was left alone, completely and devastatingly alone, so that you never will be. And now you and I are precisely what he says we are, the righteousness of God, redeemed from the curse of the law. Your broken relationship with your father has been repaired and restored because Jesus was left alone for us. And when Jesus suffered the ultimate expression of the wrath of God, which is the absence of God, he said victoriously, it is finished. And then he committed his spirit into the hands of his father, forsaken no more. And so when you feel alone, remember that we have a great high priest, a high priest who is able to sympathize with you, who knows more than you ever will exactly what it is like to be alone. But he is alone no longer, and he is always with you. And so when you encounter personal sorrows, know that he is there. He has not forsaken you, and he never will. In Jesus' name, amen.